Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. It's here. It is finally here. Just two days away, the San Francisco 49ers host the Green Bay Packers at Levi Stadium in the NFL Divisional Round Playoffs. The playoffs are finally here for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know about you, but I was on the edge of my seat during that Lions and Rams Rams game, I was celebrating the Dallas Cowboys choking against the Green Bay Packers, and all of that has brought us here to this Saturday. Under the bright lights, 5.15 Pacific Standard Time in Santa Clara, California, the San Francisco 49ers take on the Green Bay Packers in what is a not just a rivalry renewed kind of game. We have seen these two teams battle it out for decades But even since, what, 2011, 2012, it seems like every time San Francisco goes to the playoffs, the Packers are somehow in their way. And the last four times, it has been all San Francisco. When you talk about the head-to-head matchup, it's the 10th time these two teams will face off in the playoffs, which is a current or will be a current record once Saturday's game kicks off. San Francisco is currently 5-4 and four, uh, in those nine games they've played together with a four-game win streak. And these two teams, I want to say, are completely different, but they have so many similarities. Whereas, you look at the record, San Francisco, 12-5 and five to end the season, uh, completely healthy for the first time since Thanksgiving Day, uh, minus Clellan Farrell, who's not going to play this Saturday. Uh, They're at home, had an amazing season, number one seed in in the NFC, whereas Green Bay, uh, they've had to fight and claw their way into a playoff spot, obviously upset the Dallas Cowboys 48-32 in Super Wild Card Weekend last week, Um, but they're playing with house money. They have nothing to lose. They have, like, the, the Packers aren't supposed to be here. This was supposed to be a retooling kind of year and see what Jordan Love can be. In the past five weeks or so, we've seen Jordan Love come into his zone, whereas San Francisco has kind of always been the top pick, the top dog for the NFC number one seed. And it really wasn't any worry throughout the year where San Francisco clinched that sucker in week 17, didn't play anybody in week 18. So these two teams are very different levels of play and very different uh, story during this season. But that being said, uh, we cannot sleep on the Green Bay Packers because they snuck into the playoffs you know, during Week 18. We should look at what happened against the Dallas Cowboys last weekend and say, yeah, like the Packers maybe aren't for real, but they can certainly cause some damage. I didn't think the Packers were going to beat the Cowboys last week, but I definitely said if there was one game of Super Wild Card Weekend, I said that we're going to be really close that can go either way, it was gonna be the Packers because the way they're playing, the weapons they have, uh, I don't think, like, next year, we're gonna sit back and say Green Bay could beat the Lions for the NFC North. And that sounds wrong saying at this very moment, knowing the Lions beat the Rams and got their first playoff win in what feels like forever, right? Um, And I think Green Bay should be considered an actual contender next year. But the way this thing has shaken out and the way it's turned around is because San Francisco has had essentially two weeks off. They're healthy, but the rest versus Russ conversation is certainly one to be had. We've already had it here a handful of times, but it's kind of crept itself back up simply because a former Niner quarterback and former Green Bay Packer quarterback who was in the room with Jordan Love in the room with Jimmy G and Brock Purdy and Trey Lance and Aaron Rodgers and among those other players in these two systems, Kurt Benkert, who is kind of a YouTube phenomenon right now, uh, he said the Packers are riding high and they've you know they've had to play four to five playoff games to end their season. And he also added to that saying San Francisco really hasn't played a meaningful, must-win, stressful game in two months. Um, I do agree with the statement that yes, There is something dangerous about a young team playing on the road with nothing to lose. Like, they're trying to thread the needle as far as it can go. And I think for Green Bay, you have 
the makeup, you have the personnel to knock off a team like Dallas, to beat a team like the Lions, to beat a team like the Rams. Uh, if they go to the AFC, maybe beat a team uh, like the Dolphins or the Browns or, or, or the Texans for that matter. But when you look at San Francisco, uh, I also don't like the idea or the argument they haven't played meaningful football in two months. Um, now, there's a big difference between meaningful and stressful. Um, I think against the Ravens on Christmas Day, that was a stressful, meaningful game that meant something to both those squads. But um, by the way, it turned out maybe by the end of that game, it wasn't as stressful or meaningful for San Francisco. But then you look at the Eagles game where you're on the road in Philadelphia. That game meant something to San Francisco. Philadelphia, you know, albeit collapsed at the end of the year, they were the number one seed in the NFC at that time. That game meant something to San Francisco, and they played Seattle twice, once on a short week on Thanksgiving. So I don't agree with the idea that just because you haven't played, you know, a meaningful game the last couple weeks or so, doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be laid back and, and you're not going to bring your A game. Um, like, you played Philadelphia, you played the Ravens, you played the Seahawks twice. All of those games meant something at, at least one point or another. And I have to ask, Kurt Benker and even yourself, what's more dangerous to you? A team with nothing to lose that isn't supposed to be here that wants to wreak havoc and thread that needle? Or a team that has everything to lose, that's desperate that has, since OTAs and training camp, been telling you, me, the media, that our goal is not to get just the number one seed. It's not to be one and done in the playoffs. It's to hoist a Lombardi Trophy, a team that has veterans everywhere on the roster who have been in the playoffs year after year, who have fallen short year after year, who have suffered heartbreak the past three out of four seasons, that, to me, makes the Niners the more dangerous team. All due respect to Green Bay, they definitely deserve, you know, where they are currently. But San Francisco, with a better talented roster, dare I say, or easily a better quarterback, a much better defense, and at least this year, a better quarterback, although Jordan Love is crushing it currently, with a much better running back and weapons like I get you want to give Green Bay the respect. You don't want to overlook them because if you do, you'll end up like Dallas. But a team that has suffered the heartbreak, that knows the anguish of losing in the biggest game of the season after having it in their grasp, after having the Rams on the verge of elimination to go to a second Super Bowl with this core, you don't think that that team isn't as dangerous? I get it. You have nothing to lose. I could argue the person, the team that has everything to lose, is more desperate. Will do more things to hold on to what they know they deserve and need to help to, to have, and that's San Francisco. Um, I also think it's funny that we talk about rest versus rust, and, and yes, you can talk about well they haven't played in two weeks. This ain't baseball. This is not. Oh, I lost my timing on a fastball or a curveball. We saw the Braves this past year, number one seed or number two seed, whatever it was in the in the NL. Take a week off, take a week and a half, week and a half off. Timing's all screwed up. They can't hit. They can't pitch, right? Like, this is not baseball. <laughs> this is football, where a teams have OTAs and minicamps and training camps with no really live reps. Like, most starters don't play in preseason. If they do, it's very little, they don't really need to have that timing because you can simulate more of a game in the NFL than you can in, say, the MLB, for example. I'm not worried about is Brock Purdy going to have his timing off on Debo Samuel on, on slants and crossing routes or our screen pass is going to be off or, you know, is there going to be a missed block here or there? In fact, I think we should flip that conversation. If you're that worried about they haven't played in, in two weeks, you know, they're going to be rusty. The Packers have played five playoff games in a row just to save their season, just to be here. And you go on Twitter, I commented on it, that you can see Devondre Campbell, the Packers' starting linebacker, who I think San Francisco was going to expose and exploit in this game. You can hear him talking to head coach Matt LaFleur saying, I'm exhausted. 
after routing the Dallas Cowboys in an indoor stadium where there are no elements, where you should be in the most controlled environment possible, where you're up like 31 to 10 at a time. How were you exhausted? Now, I get it. It's a football game. It's exhausting. It's tiring. But they are at the brink of running out of energy, running out of steam, per se. Go back to 2021. Um, San Francisco snuck into the playoffs in the last week of the season against the LA Rams. We all cheered and said, we can go to Dallas and beat them. We can go to Green Bay and beat them. Then we get to LA and we have them on the brink and we just run out of energy. We are exhausted. The season is so long. It's grueling. I think that same thing is going to happen to Green Bay. A young team that maybe has a little more spark than San Francisco's veteran-led team did at that point in the season. Um, I think the rest versus rust conversation should be, hey, if San Francisco's rusty, the Green Bay Packers need some rest because they are running nearly on empty against Dallas, who they just crushed on the road in the most controlled environment possible. Now bring them to Santa Clara, where it may or may not rain, who knows right now? It's been yes and no all week long. Where the weather has been cloudy, then sunny, then it's gloomy, then it's humid, then it's raining, then it's sunny again. You're like, what the heck's going on? In front of a 97% filled Niner Faithful Levi Stadium, arguably one of the least controlled environments, at least in the NFC playoffs this season, that doesn't favor Green Bay at all. And if they're already exhausted playing the Dallas Cowboys, who have a vanilla offense where CeeDee Lamb wasn't doing much. You give us Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Chris McCaffrey, who everyone seems to forget exists this season, at least from the, 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 the Packers fans perspective. Oh, then add in George Kittle and MVP level Brock Purdy. We ain't the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> like, I think Packers fans, I get they're hyped. I get they're like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, we crushed the Dallas Cowboys. We can do it again. No. The Niners are not the fraudulent, Mike McCarthy-led, Dak Prescott-led Dallas Cowboys. Like, a worse Niners team than this season would have still beaten the Dallas Cowboys this year. Whether it was in Week 4, or was whether it was in the playoffs. It still would have happened. It has happened in years past. Uh, so, I don't like the rest versus rust conversation. And even then, like... I could argue I'm more worried about the aggressiveness of San Francisco. They're amped. They're pumped. Like, they're so giddy to, we're finally playing football again. They could be, oh, like, my mind thinks of, oh, Dre Greenlaw's going for a PI. He's going for, you know, a personal foul. An unnecessary roughness call somewhere. He's going to be so amped. He's going to freaking body slam somebody like he did against the Philadelphia Eagles, and then they got Don Sandra out there doing some things on, on, on the sideline, right? Like, if anything, I'm not worried about rust. I'm worried about over-aggressiveness, over-pursuing plays, wanting to annihilate a tight end over the middle or just crush Jaden Reed on the end around. That's what I'm more worried about, not as can these guys get up for this game. And then you keep looking at how this week has progressed, right? Um... You can give the Packers all the respect in the world. They put up 27 points on Dallas in the first half. Uh, you cannot let the Packers get out to a hot start, which, again, lends into the rest versus rust conversation. Uh, the difference here is, is that the Packers weren't giving Dallas bulletin board material. Whereas, weirdly enough, they continue to give the Niners bulletin board material. Um, I'm sure you saw it on Twitter or X or on social media. If you follow us on those platforms, you definitely saw it on there from me. Um, ESPN Milwaukee and former Packers tight end Mark Chimura, who I understand has his own interesting history with the babysitters. I won't go too further into that, but um, he was quoted in saying, I don't condone this, but I kind of do. Um, a 15-yard penalty for a late hit on Brock Purdy is not a bad thing, as long as it's worth it. Um, I will say this, I am 1000% okay with smash mouth, lay him out, hard hitting Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor back in the day where you're hit sticking some fools. I am so okay with that as long as it's legal. 
You never try to hurt somebody. Whether it's in baseball where you're trying to hit somebody in the ribs, no, hit him in the thigh, hit him in the hit him in the caboose, the trunk, right? You never want to try to hurt somebody. You don't go for the head, right? In the NFL, you don't try to hurt another opponent. You don't, you know, Albert Hainsworth stomp someone. You don't, you know, Madama Kung Su twist someone's ankle left and right. You don't do those things. Mark Chimura, my guy, you played in the NFL in this rivalry, and your response is, yes, take a late hit on a quarterback, risk getting tossed out of a game, and potentially injuring Brock Purdy. Um, if that is not the most weak-minded thing to say, like, I would never say, go out there and try to hurt Jordan Love. Take a shot. Now, if Jordan Love is running as a runner and he doesn't slide and he doesn't, you know, dive forward and he's going to be standing up legally, give him a hit. That's fine. That's legal. If Brock Purdy's doing the same thing and he's not going to get down, they are putting themselves in harm way and they know that. But you should never be trying to hurt them. It's never, I, you know, I want to give someone a concussion or a stinger or break their leg. You don't want to do those things. And for a former player who's supposed to be one of the boys and protect your own, you're advocating for hurting another team's quarterback by taking a cheap shot 15-yard penalty. That is one of the most Bush League things I've ever heard. In fact, this Niners team has an example of this. Go back to 2019-2020. Niners, Chiefs, Super Bowl matchup. What does Mike Florio say the Niners should do? Go out there and take a cheap shot, a, a, a shot at Patrick Mahomes. No! Never cheap shot anybody. It's like, these are people's lives, livelihoods. Why would you want to risk injuring that player, hurting their lives, hurting their career? Like, that's stuff you point to and say, like, seriously? Like, Kareem Jackson for the Broncos... Got suspended three times this year and indefinitely for one of them because he couldn't stop helmet to helmet hitting receivers and tight ends and running backs. The league said, hey, you cannot do this. What do you think is going to happen come playoff time if you're crushing and trying to illegally hurt right now one of the MVP favorites in the league in a playoff game at their own place? Like, and especially for a fan base that has lost three quarterbacks Last year alone, had to have Brock Purdy play with one arm, unable to throw. You are telling that fan base you want to hurt your quarterback again. Um, it's a bad look. Like, if I heard that name, Drake Greenlaw, and you're taking shots at my guys, you're getting haymakers, brother. Like, there's a reason why he boxes in the offseason. Like, you're getting peanut punches night and day. Like, if I'm Trent Williams, and anyone's even close or breathes on Brock Purdy, bang! on the ground like there is no room for that in the game none and there's no room for a former player to say those things because all you're going to do is rile up the team you're trying to beat which is already tough the packers have to play a perfect game or near perfect game to beat san francisco san francisco can play a b minus game and beat green bay but they want to give them more energy more reason to get up for you other than hosting a playoff game in which the starters haven't played in two weeks, it's not a good look for the Packers, for ESPN Milwaukee, and for Mark Chimura, but if his history would show, maybe he doesn't care too much about how he looks in the media's eyes. Um, that's off-the-field stuff. That is a non-player making those statements. Then you go to a less egregious version of that, and you go to Packers, I believe, rookie if not rookie, second-year player Devontae Wyatt on the defensive line, and they asked him about Brock Purdy, and this is what he had to say about this year's MVP or one of the MVP favorites. He said, When a D lineman just get pressure into him, he's always throwing off or it's behind them or it's overthrown or it's short. When you get pressure on him, it's a guaranteed we'll get a turnover. Um, Devontae, my friend... Uh, I respect you. Uh, that is the most ignorant, dumb thing I've ever heard about Brock Purdy. Are you Nick Wright? <laughs> like, 
sure, Brock Purdy's had his bad games, but it feels like the Ravens fan base and Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator over there, has only shown the Ravens fan base and the team, the oh, excuse me, has only shown the Packers fan base and team, the Ravens game, where I think we all sat back and said, that's not pretty, that isn't good, but that's a one game like, ew, like that's ugly, but like it's one game. It's not, you know, who Brock Purdy's been all year long, but it feels like that's like the example they're using as to who he is. Um, no, like here's some stats to disprove everything Devontae Wyatt just said. So Brock Purdy, when pressured this season, has the highest passer rating in the entire NFL, has the highest yards per attempt has the best completion rate, has the fifth highest PFF grade, is the number one QB when pressured since week 10, and the number three quarterback in the entire NFL when blitzed since week 10. So again, I ask you, Devontae Wyatt, you coaching? You watching? Like, what are you looking at that makes you say, yeah, when we pressure Brock Purdy, he turns well over a lot. Ravens game, yeah. Three, three INTs. Wasn't pretty. Did you watch any of the other 16 games he played in? <laughs> because, yikes, my friend. Like, how do you not look at that and say, wow, like, it wasn't a great game, but other than that, he's been a top echelon quarterback when pressured. And we've seen it plenty of times here in San Francisco, I guess in Santa Clara, you might say, that when Brock Purdy gets pressured... Unlike what Cam Newton has to say, he isn't a game changer. That's a lie. He is a game changer. And this isn't to say that Brock Purdy can't throw picks or isn't going to make mistakes, because he will. That's the NFL. You pressure your quarterback enough, it's a higher likely, or, or, or it's more likely he'll make a mistake. Of course it is. Ask any quarterback ever. You get pressure on them. You put Rashawn Gary and, and Preston Smith in the backfield, the, the higher the chance he'll make a turnover. Of course, any quarterbacks that way, from Mahomes to Brady to Manning to Brock Purdy to Jordan Love. You pressure these guys, it's more likely they're going to make a mistake. Um, that being said, this year, even if Purdy does make a mistake or two, he's been arguably the best quarterback in the entire league when pressured, when blitzed. Like, he, like here's the thing. We've gone from... Wow, Brock Purdy's on a really good team. To now it feels like everyone's like only talking about Brock Purdy and giving him like all the credit. And you're like, yeah, but like you're forgetting that he is the best check down option in CMC. So when he's pressured, he's guaranteed five or six yards right there on a check down. You're acting like when pressured, he's not going to find George Kittle and Debo Samuel on flat routes over the middle on short and shallow crosses. Like it's not like... It's just Brock Purdy. It's like, this is not a quarterback-only system. Yes, Brock Purdy makes this system better. We've seen that this year. But it feels like that a lot of, like, the Packers themselves are forgetting that... <laughs> that it's not just Brock Purdy on this offense. Like, nobody's talking about Christian McCaffrey. Nobody. It's just like, yeah, well, you know, we stopped Brock Purdy. We stopped San Francisco. No! That is not the case at all. That's what makes them so dangerous. And it's what makes me think that the Packers fan base and the team itself is so far in over their head of like, well, if we stop Purdy, it's over. You're forgetting CMC, you're forgetting Debo, you're forgetting literally all pros and pro bowlers everywhere. <laughs> like, this is not the Dallas Cowboys where you stop Dak Prescott like... Like, what's like, you stop, you stop dacking, you stop CeeDee Lamb, it's over. No, it's like, we, this is not Tony Pollard. It's just Christian freaking McCaffrey, Green Bay. Like, this is not as simple as stop Purdy, it's over with. No, because Christian McCaffrey can beat a team by himself. Like, that's how good he's been. And, again, it's not like Green Bay has the defense to, if you point to Purdy's worst game, that Ravens game, they do not have the talent, the personnel, the ability to swarm on San Francisco's screen game, which they only seem to do, according to Packers fans. No, like you are not the Baltimore Ravens, my friend. You are not the Cleveland Browns 
They're the Green Bay Packers who snuck into the playoffs because the Seahawks fumbled the bag late in the season and you happen to be playing pretty good football towards the end. Like, you were like, we were talking about the Packers like, they might need a quarterback again. The defense really stinks. And you put together, to your credit, five, six good weeks of football. You beat the Dallas Cowboys. You're riding high, feeling good. We can take on the entire world. No, you can't. Like, you are not an upper echelon team. You are not Rick Diaz in the chat, who I would take over the Packers eating a Big Mac in Chicago at 1.30 for lunch. So, Rick, good morning to you, my friend. Like, Rick's eating Big Macs. The Packers ain't eating Big Macs. They're eating globs of cheese, getting fat and nasty. Like, come on. Be more like Rick eating Big Macs in Chicago, rooting for your Niners on the stream right now. Right? The Packers, like, I respect them. I like Jordan Love. You can dare say I love Jordan Love. He looks like a really great young quarterback playing in that system. But my goodness, Green Bay, you ain't the Ravens. You ain't, you ain't the San Francisco 49ers. Like, there's the Dallas Cowboys, then it's San Francisco. Dallas Cowboys, all the way up here at San Francisco. We are not the same. We are not the same. This ain't the Spider-Man meme where it's like, we're all pointing like, we're all the same people. No, we're not. <laughs> we are different teams. There are levels to this thing. And it's borderline disrespectful and ignorant to assume that San Francisco is on equal footing to the Dallas Cowboys and to think that you are the Baltimore Ravens enough to shut down Debo Samuel and a handful of players like Kittle and McCaffrey and Ayuk and Juwan Jennings is back. Like, let's I get you riding high. You're feeling good. You know, maybe the weed kicked in. I, I don't know what you're doing over there in Green Bay. Ayahuasca <laughs> is Rodgers leaving a stash behind for the defense because my goodness, there are some wild things coming out of that uh, side of the field. Um, and then you look at the defense of Green Bay. Like, if you want to talk about, okay, Brock Purdy this, Brock Purdy that, you can go out there and hurt him. We can stop him here. Let's look at how the Packers have fared against, like, against other teams this year and how they fare against San Francisco. So, again, I said over and over and over again, Green Bay seems to forget that it's not just Purdy. There's an MVP caliber running back, offensive player of the year, a likely winner, and Chris McCaffrey going to be lined up against their shoddy run defense. Chris McCaffrey this year, what, 23 plus touchdowns, just one of the biggest dual threats in the entire league, passing game, running game. He can lead freaking any offense to more wins. I've said you put him on the Panthers again. That's a five, six win team. That's what he can do for an organization. Do you look at the Green Bay run defense that ranks 28th in the entire league? Bottom five in the entire league in run defense. And they're like, yeah, we can handle Brock Purdy. You ain't gonna stop Christian McCaffrey? Like, what is this? This is not Tony Pollard. This isn't Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert in Chicago. This is not, you know, um, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker in Seattle. This isn't even Kyron Williams, who's having a great year. CMC is the best offensive weapon in the entire league. And you think because you can stop Brock Purdy if they even do, which I don't think they will, that, oh, this one's in the bag. No! <laughs> like my friends out there in Milwaukee, pronounce Milwaukee. No! No! Then you add in their 26th in explosive run rate, so you can't stop the run, your bottom 10 team in stopping runs over, what is that, 10 plus yards? Uh, you want and you allow San Francisco's offense, led by CMC and Kyle Shanahan, to establish the run? You are just handing over your name and writing it into the death note. It's over with, my friend. It's over. If you're going to give this offense, led by this head coach, this offensive mind, and an MVP caliber running back in Chris McCaffrey, you're going to give him a chance and a likelihood to establish his game on the ground, and your thought is, we can stop Brock Purdy. San Francisco could run the football 50 times and still win this game if that's the defense Green Bay brings to the field. Then you add into that that the Packers, 
Their defense this year, which has been really shoddy, albeit playing better as of recent, uh, the Cowboys game being one of the more better examples of that, they're 31st this season in explosive pass rate allowed. They're the second worst team in the entire NFL in allowing explosive passing plays. Night freaking night, my friend. Like, what do the Packers see in themselves that makes them say, yep, we can stop the Niners. Have confidence in your defense. I so, so get it. But it's it's just like, this is like a 7-9 team back when there was only 16 games playing a 12-4 team. Playing, a, you know, like, it just doesn't feel like, like, it, this is a last-seeded wildcard team taking on the, the number one-seeded San Francisco 49ers. And, and, and it's not to sound like, you know, we're better than everybody else. Like, the stats prove that. Like, this, this is not, you know, the Giants knocking off the the Patriots in 2007 to end their season where they, where they played each other earlier in the year and it was close and the Patriots just skated by and it was a rematch. And you're like, man, you know, like, the Giants had that elite defense and they have a three-headed monster and Jacobs and Ward and Bradshaw in the backfield and Eli Manning the Packers like, really aren't great at anything all year long the offense has come along and it looks really good Jordan Love playing great but if this game is going to be a back and forth of who scores more my money's on the best defense on the field to make a stop here or there and that's San Francisco because Green Bay's defense Unless somehow, some way, San Francisco craps their diaper, and you're like, the red touchdowns are now brown. Like, what's going on? Like, that's the only like San Francisco has to play a D minus game to lose against this Packers team. That's how crazy it is. Like, since week 10, the Packers defense is 31st in success rate, meaning teams have been able to methodically move the ball down the field. If you want to keep the ball away from Jordan Love in this game and say, look, don't let the guy riding high beat us, fine. San Francisco should be able to do that. And again, if it's a third and six, it's not like Green Bay's passing defense where you're like, oh, they got us here. They got us here. It's third and six, third and eight. You know, this could be the game. This could be a drive to steal momentum. The 31st ranked explosive passing defense where... Debo should be open for 15-plus yards. Kittle, 10-plus yards. Ayuk, 35-plus yards downfield. This should be a game where you point to and say, man, San Francisco should have their way with this Green Bay's defense. There's a reason why there are holes in cheese, right? They have the big cheese heads. There's holes in those for a reason. That looks like their defense. There are holes everywhere in their defense. You die further. Where does the Shanahan offense thrive? Over the middle of the field, right? It's been this way since it was Boyer and Mullins and Bethard and Jimmy G and now Brock Purdy, right? The Green Bay Packers, their defense is 27th in DVOA in defending the middle of the field. That's worse than the Philadelphia Eagles, who got annihilated by Baker frickin' Mayfield on Monday Night Football. The Dallas Cowboys, who this Packers team just crushed in the playoffs last week. And the Seattle Seahawks, who San Francisco has won five straight games against. So, I'm still looking, I'm grasping for straws to how Green Bay thinks their defense, at least, can survive against this high-powered Niners offense. Take it further into the middle of the field. Who guards the middle of the field? Who does Shanahan Love to target with George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Linebackers. He loves the mismatch of a speedy tight end like George Kittle that can run through a linebacker, but also run right past a linebacker. Debo Samuel, who he looks ready to go. That picture they put on uh, Instagram or Twitter where they're all throwing up the the deuces sign, like, you know, whatever, like, that was, like, one of the hardest photos ever. They look like they're ready to wreak some havoc on the gridiron this Saturday. Shanahan loves that mismatch of Debo and Kittle on linebackers. Devondre Campbell, the guy who was, like, 
Coach, I'm tired. I played in Dallas. I'm tired. This season, when he is targeted, has allowed 18 catches on 31 attempts for almost 400 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 135.7 rating, and his PFF's number 29 out of 50 ranked linebackers when targeted. Bottom half, awful in coverage. This is his worst coverage season ever. And there's Quay Walker. If you don't know Quay Walker, Quay Walker is the guy last year when it was Lions and Packers fighting for a playoff spot towards the end of the year where he like pushed the ref out of the way. Kind of a dummy, kind of a bonehead, right? Freaking, he's the 47th out of 50th graded linebacker out of PFF. Like, man, like, you're, you're just giving San Francisco the biggest part of the field, which is your worst part of the field. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, the blind confidence can lead you to a lot of success. Like, I'll be honest here. I'm not the most confident person, but I know plenty of people that are confident. And I'm like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, even if you aren't good at certain things, but you're confident in them, it'll get you a long, long way, right? There are plenty of people that are great, whether it's at broadcasting or writing or teaching or whatever it might be. They just lack the confidence, but the people that have the confidence go in there, maybe aren't as good, and they can shock you. They can surprise you. They'll get the job over the non-confident person because they, you know, they can sell themselves. The difference is, this ain't a welding job. This ain't a broadcast job. This ain't a journalism job. You're not selling yourself to anybody. You have to prove you can do the job. On Saturday, and I'm sorry, Green Bay, I don't care how much you try to sell us on your defense. The numbers don't lie. You have been... One of the worst, if not the worst defense when it comes to stopping the run all year long. Stopping the pass all year long. Jimmy G, who was having an awful year and got benched, ended up beating this Packers defense, albeit earlier in the season. I get they're playing better. They don't mean because you're playing marginally better, you can take on the best offense in the entire league and say, yeah, we have a chance. It's like, no, you don't have dogs all over your defense you played a really just fraudulent Dallas Cowboys team that everyone knew was at least going to lose in the second round this year because they were fraudulent. And you point to me and say, good job, Green Bay. You knocked off you know, what could have been the number five seed. Good for you. Now come to San Francisco, Santa Clara, and play the number one seeded team that is healthy for the first time since Thanksgiving night in Seattle. Good luck. Good luck. It's just not going to happen. Keep moving down the board. Jair Alexander is iffy, may or may not play. Like, this is a game where, let's say San Francisco reverts to a very screen-heavy game. Just dink and dunk, which I don't think they will. But let's say it's a, you know, Chris McCaffrey, here's five carries, boom, 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 first down. And they want to open the play-action game or just get the ball into their stars' hands, let them set the tone. Um, you don't think Debo Samuel is not going to run through Jair Alexander? You don't think he's going to run through Darnell Savage? I mean, come on. Like, uh, like I like the Packers. I, I have always, weirdly enough, had this soft spot in my heart for the Packers. Now, as of more recently, it's been F the Packers, because why wouldn't it be? But growing up... San Francisco, for me, wasn't that good. Like, there wasn't any rivalry kind of, you know, embedded in me. Because they hadn't seen it in person until it was Cap versus Rodgers at Levi Stadium. And I was like, okay, now it's F the Packers, right? When they had Ryan Grant and Al Harris and Greg Jennings and Donald Driver, like, and those guys on offense, Brett Favre was still there for, you know, his end of his era. I was like, wow, like, I, I kind of like Green Bay for a little bit. But now it's like... You sit back, and while this team reminds me of those teams where, like, they have that one guy at each position, Love, Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, uh, Jair Alexander, who you're like, man, those th those are really good players. Everybody else around them is, like, a C-, minus, C+. Plus. And I look at San Francisco, and I'm like, it's like the Avengers fighting, 
you know, Loki and all the goons he had in the first Avengers. And you're like, yeah, like they're going to win. <laughs> like the Avengers are going to win. Uh, Mix in the chat saying Niners, let's go. Also says here, we're grilling some cheese sandwiches on Saturday. Um, I'm going to have some nachos. I'm going to shred that cheese all over some chips with some pork and some carnitas. And it's going to be a great Saturday. But Mick, thanks for hopping in here. Like, I, I, I just don't see this like blind confidence the Packers has of, we beat Dallas. You didn't play Debo Samuel. And for whatever reason, Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb were either beefing over a girl or something. Like, they were not on the same page. They had to console CeeDee Lamb, like, in the first quarter of that game. Like, I don't know what's going on. That is an unfocused team. Then you listen to how San Francisco has prepped for this week. Had, you know, some, you know, some really intense practices last week. Same routine. Same meetings times. Again, it's we are one track mind, one goal in mind. Crush Green Bay this weekend, beat Detroit or the Bucks in two weekends, and find ourselves in Vegas for the Lombardi Trophy. That's what they want. You think Green Bay's gonna get in their way? Unless everything, unless hell freezes over, that is the only chance I'm giving the Green Bay Packers this Saturday. Really is. And look. Getting to their offense, because their offense has been playing so much better. In fact, since week number nine, the Packers actually have the number three offense in the entire NFL. That's insane. For this offense that doesn't have many stars around it, it's a banged up Christian Watson who, I get it, first round pick. He hasn't been there all year. They've been putting it together with Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Luke Musgrave, uh, Tyler Kraft, I think is his name, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Like, they've been putting it together with, you know, B plus C kind of players, and it's all been working. It's a very much, you know, team-oriented offense led by Jordan Love, not just Aaron Rodgers doing his thing with Devontae Adams in previous years. Uh, but Jordan Love, I think, has a chance to be a top-five quarterback come next year. Like, he's been that good. Like, it looks like they got their guy again. Um, he has not thrown a pick in five games. He's a 12-0 touchdown-to-interception ratio in the last five games. It's incredible. Like, it cannot be understated how good he's been. There's so much boom in the offense, whether it's a deep throw by love to Romeo Dobbs or a Jaden Reed end-around. And there's very little bust. Like... People don't even know who Dontavian Wicks is, and he's arguably been their second best receiver all year long. Um, Love is excellent under pressure, whether it's inside the pocket, outside of the pocket, off the back foot. Like he has been really good. Um, I don't. I know I just crapped on their entire defense and gave no shot to win. If Jordan Love plays like Jordan Love did last week, darn near the most efficient quarterback in this playoffs so far. Maybe it goes from 99% chance for San Francisco to 85% chance, 75% chance for San Francisco. Um, I do think there is a glaring hole in his game, that being Jordan Loves, where it's like, how do you stop that guy playing excellent football um, against man coverage this year? His QBR is 68.8, 23 touchdowns and one interception. It's just like, whoa. That's incredible. Then versus zone coverage, which San Francisco runs at the seventh highest rate this year. Uh, Jordan Love is a 62.4 QBR, only eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Now, I get it. You go to the Dallas Cowboys game last week against the zone. Love was seven for 10, 120 yards. But you watch that game. And yes, the Cowboys have, no pun intended, stars all over the place. But they looked like it was a bunch of guys playing for themselves, miscommunication everywhere. The game plan they had set up just like wasn't working. There were tight ends and receivers streaking wide open all game long for the Green Bay Packers. And it just felt like there were so many individual pieces not working in unison, whereas you give San Francisco 
which Kyle Shanahan said they were working on the Packer film at halftime in that Dallas Cowboys game. You give them six days, seven days to watch this film, study this team, where Shanahan knows LaFleur and has owned LaFleur outside of one game where the entire team is banged up at home with Josh Norman playing cornerback for this team in 2021, right? This should be a time for San Francisco to literally have the expertise out for the Green Bay Packers. Um, San Francisco's defense, again, seventh highest rated uh, zone rate in coverage this year, only given up five touchdowns and they picked the ball off 14 times. 14 times. Like, again, Love's playing great. His weakness has been zone all year long. Even if he's going to have a similar game or a close to similar game as he did last week, there's not going to be guys running wide open. Like Lenore and Ambry Thomas and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Jair Brown if he does start in this game. Deshaun Gibson, they're not going to be blowing 10 coverages, 7 coverages. They're going to be moving as a unit. You know, one of my favorite sports movies is The Mighty Ducks, right? Quack, quack, quack. You know, ducks fly together, right? San Francisco's kind of like that. They're going to be in V formation all game long, flying together, right? Whereas Dallas, there was a guy to the left, a guy to the right. They, they, they were in the, the big L formation. It was like, we're playing to lose this game, <laughs> right? And San Francisco going to be in W or V formation, flocking, flying together defensively. Like, there is no confusion. Like, you give Nick Bosa and a healthy Eric Armstead, we'll get to him in a second here, Javon Hargrave and Chase Young. Like, Dallas don't have, like, I get the Packers were able to stop Micah Parsons. The difference is Dallas doesn't have those dogs on the inside. <laughs> like, they have Parsons, that's one guy. They have Lawrence, that's another guy on the outside. You get to the inside, it's Kalijah Kansi, or, or, no, not him, Massey Smith, excuse me, and there's no one else really in there. You give Hargrave an Armstead on the inside to force Jones either into the teeth of the defense or keep him to the outside of Bosa and Warner and Greenlaw and Mooney Ward, like, you're just feeding into what San Francisco wants to do, right? And for the Packers, I think if you're San Francisco, just like the Packers fan base, maybe the team itself has kind of forgotten about Christian McCaffrey, um, we cannot forget about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has been hurt all year long. But now that he's back, in his last four games, against Carolina, 127 yards. Against the Vikings, 120 yards. Against the Bears, 111 yards. And against the Dallas Cowboys, 118 yards. He is having the best four-game stretch of his career. The difference is, San Francisco, in a weird way, which I know fans have come around to him, They've gotten their run defense X factor back. That's Eric Armstead. Now, San Francisco this season has the 15th best DVOA against the run. Right smack dab in the middle of the entire league against the run, right? But with Eric Armstead off the field, they're a plus 0.02 EPA. It's basically a way of saying they're above average with Armstead off the field. With Armstead on the field, they are a minus 0.14 EPA. That is excellent. And you're getting that player back. That is your run defense X factor. You ask Eric Armstead himself, you listen to his podcast on Title League, he will say himself, I am there to stuff the run. You give him a week of practice, a week in that room, and say, hey, the run defense has been fine without you. Uh, there's been certain games it wasn't great. There's been certain games it's been bad. There's been certain games it's been good enough, right? It's an average run defense. Then you put Eric Armstead back in the fray next to Bosa, next to Hargrave, next to Chase Young. You're like, damn. <laughs> like, we got the dude back. That's going to take our run defense from average to a top 10 unit in the entire league. 
For Aaron Jones, San Francisco can't neglect to stop him. You stop Aaron Jones, which you put Armstead back in the fold here, it should be a little easier for you. You make Jordan Love be the reason they have to beat you. You make Jordan Love, a young quarterback in his first ever playoff game, against an elite or at least top 10 defense in football with edge rushers galore, an all-pro cornerback, and really two Pro Bowl and one all-pro level linebacker, like, you're going to... This arguably will be his biggest task ever. Like, I'm sorry, beating Dallas, great time, great game for him. It's not that impressive. <laughs> like, it's weird to say it's not that impressive. Love was impressive, but doing that is not that impressive to me, at least. Like, at some point, we all expected that to happen. Josh Dobbs beat <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, right? And for the Green Bay Packers, they love to run behind the right guard. They love, it's right guard, in between the guard, center, and tackle. Boom, right guard. You stuff that hole, that's where they targeted Dallas all game long, and Dallas couldn't stop it. You stop that, and you tell first playoff game ever in his career, Jordan Love, beat us. We dare you. Try to keep up with our offense while your offense becomes one-dimensional. Now, it's so much easier said than done. San Francisco has had run defense problems all year long, minus Eric Armstead, and they've also had a hard time tackling consistently. And, well, even though San Francisco and those problems might still arise, I would lend and certainly lean towards SF getting the win, um, you cannot neglect that San Francisco has had those problems nor can you neglect that Aaron Jones has played a major factor in what Green Bay's offense and why they've gotten so much better. And the reason why their defense has looked better as of lately is because their offense is running the football more effectively and their time of possession has been so much higher. The less their defense is on the field, the less bad it can be. If you're San Francisco, you want to keep their defense on the field, stop Aaron Jones on their offense, make Love have to pass the ball, right? Make him have to beat you. And if you can tackle correctly on the Jaden Reed end arounds, like, this team is not going to force the ball down the field against you over and over and over again. You watch Jordan Love against Dallas. Tucker Craft, tight end, 1.07 yards per route. Christian Watson, 1.13 yards per route. Contavian Wicks, under two yards per route. The only reason they were hitting deep balls because Romeo Dobbs was getting behind Dallas's defense for nearly 10 yards per route. Luke Musgrave, six and a half yards per route. They're not going to force the ball downfield against you. They're going to run the football, stay within the offense. Again, love having a great year. No doubt about it, right? But it's not like they're this explosive Mahomes offense that has beaten the Dallas Cowboys. They're a Shanahan-like offense that has a plus arm talent quarterback that likes to run the football and get six, seven yards per pass. That's beatable. <laughs> like, if anybody should know how to stop that, it's Kyle Shanahan. And in past years, with a better quarterback, albeit kind of doing his own thing and Aaron Rodgers... They have limited what this Packers offense can do with lesser star talent on it, right? And so I think for San Francisco, like, I would expect Debo to have, like, six, seven touches for, like, 85 yards and a touchdown. Chris McCaffrey, 100-plus yards on the ground and one touchdown. Uh, I think Purdy will have himself two touchdowns in this game. And honestly, like, the only fear for me is by any chance, if this game comes down to Jake Moody, we're all sitting there being like, Lord Jesus Christ, Mother Mary, whatever you are, you know, whatever you pray to, you're sitting there doing the kumbaya, like, please God, like, let Jake Moody make this kick. But even then, this is the perfect game for Jake Moody to miss kicks because you have Anders Carlson, the kicker for the Green Bay Packers, He's missed a kick in nine of his last 11 games. <laughs> like, the dude sucks. If Jake Moody is, is, a, is a talking point here, having missed one PAT all year long, Anders Carlson, 
might as well be arguably the worst kicker in the entire league to not have been cut so far. They're wishing they had Jake Moody. They're wishing they had Zane Gonzalez to a point of Rick Bisaccia, former Raiders interim head coach, now Packers special teams coach, is being asked, do you have faith in your kicker? Do you trust Anders Carlson? The answer is no, but we don't have a choice. There's nobody else out there. And for San Francisco, if you're like, hey, Jake, you can miss the kick this, this Saturday. There's a chance if you miss one kick, he'll miss two kicks. <laughs> like, there really is an all-around confidence in me. And I get it, right? We sit back for a week. We watch other teams have success. We watch other teams play well. And you go, ooh, how are we going to beat the Lions? Oh, the, the, the Bills look pretty good. The Packers, oh, they crushed the Cowboys. Don't forget how good this team has been this year. Like, I get it. We don't watch our team for a week or two. We don't watch starters play for a week or two, right? And you start to kind of sit back and let the doubt creep in, right? You let the, you know, the thought of, and and you're seeing other teams play well, and your thought is, how can we beat those guys? Like, oh, they're a big test. You don't think that the Green Bay Packers aren't like, oh, we have the biggest test of our lives. We did not want to draw San Francisco, right? No team wants to play us in the NFC. No team does. No team in the AFC wants to play us. Even the Baltimore Ravens. Like, I get they beat us. They know for a fact they're going to get at least a better game against us again if we play again, right? But don't let the success of other teams scare you because we haven't seen our team play in two weeks. Like, it's like in a world where there's so much going on, work, you know, wives, husbands, you know, relationships, so many other things, friends, family, dogs, cats, whatever it is, you know, payments, bills. There's so much going on where on Sunday, on Saturday, you get to watch other teams play. You don't, like, the Niners aren't in your life for two weeks. You tend to forget. I forget. I start to go, well, you know, can can we actually beat the Packers? Then you sit back and you watch, you listen, you, you read, you dive into the stats, and you're like, hell yeah, we can. And it shouldn't be that hard. Um, so don't let the doubt creep in. This is an MVP caliber quarterback with an MVP caliber running back, an all-pro first-team tight end, and... An all-pro second-team receiver, a former first-team all-pro receiver in Debo Samuel. It's an all-pro first-team left tackle in Trent Williams. It's an all-pro first-team linebacker in Fred Warner. It's a second-team all-pro cornerback in Mooney Ward with a handful of pro bowlers around them, right? This team is stacked. Don't let the success of mediocre beating mediocre go, man, you know, I don't I don't know now. No, this team, myself, you, don't forget how good we've been all year long. Be confident in this team. It's the freaking playoffs, man. Go out there, scream your lungs out, put your jerseys on, shred some cheese, eat some grilled cheese sandwiches like Nick's gonna do. Let's run through the freaking Green Bay Packers. Let's bring them shame to their franchise. Let's show them what a number one seed looks like this Saturday. Let's strike fear into the eyes of the Detroit Lions. Let's make the Buccaneers say, hey, if we beat the Lions, it's Baker against Bosa. Oh my God. Let's make teams like the Texans and the Bills and the Ravens and the Chiefs say, we don't want to play San Francisco. This Saturday is not the end goal. It's a stepping stone to get there. San Francisco knows this. That this game on Saturday, yeah, you have to win. But it is not the end goal. The end is in sight. Two wins and we're back in the Super Bowl. And even then, the goal isn't just to get there. It's to finally lock in that Lombardi trophy. That goal... That journey started in OTAs and minicamp, and it's gotten us all the way to eventually on January 20th, 
when the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers line up. It is time to show the NFL some playoff time, two weeks off, rest versus rust, how good Green Bay played against the freaking Dallas Cowboys does not matter. We are not the same. There are levels to this in San Francisco. needs to go out there and shove those freaking cubes of cheese hats down every one of those Packers players' throats and say, get the heck out of my home and we will see you next season. The Packers don't stand a chance this Saturday. No team in the NFC, whether it's the Lions or the Packers or the Bucks, can stand next to San Francisco and hold a candle to how good we are, to how stacked this roster is. It is time to show that when it matters most. 12-5 and 5 means nothing this season if you do not win this Saturday. All my money is on San Francisco to come out and shred those cheese hats all over that field at Levi Stadium. They're going to annihilate this Packers team that's riding high and thinks they got the plan, thinks they know they have the tells of the San Francisco offense. My folks, my friends, if you think you have Shanahan's tells, I want you to sit back and listen and watch to what happens on Saturday. I don't care if you're Mark Chimura or Devontae Wyatt or Jordan Love, you are going to see what elite level football looks like at Levi Stadium this Saturday. It's the NFL freaking playoffs. This is when the men separate themselves from the boys. And then boys got knocked out last week by some you know, preteen boys. <laughs> now it's time to knock out the teenagers. It's time to have the men stand up. And San Francisco is the mightiest of the men in the NFC. My pick, my prediction this Saturday, San Francisco wins 31 to 20, and it's not going to be close. Green Bay is going to get some garbage time touchdown to end the game, but Jordan Love's season is going to be over, and it's going to be San Francisco once again this year playing in the NFC Championship game. Whether it's Detroit or the Bucks. this is San Francisco's game. No way around it. It's that simple. I don't care how confident Green Bay is, 31 to 20. Heck, I would not be surprised if this game is 34, 36 to 20. They're 10 and a half point favorites. They've won every game outside of one this season by double digit points. And that one game was because Sean McVay kicked a garbage time field goal to make it a seven point point differential victory. This Niners team is too good to lose this game in front of the home crowd at Levi Stadium under the bright lights at your own place where you put up 42 points against the Dallas Cowboys in week number four. Enough with the, oh, the Packers are scary. Jordan will have a great year. Fine. Have the great year all you want. It looks like an average year compared to how good San Francisco has been this season. Respect Green Bay for all they've done. Thank you for knocking off the Dallas Cowboys. By all means, I think Everybody wanted to see that, even if they think it wasn't going to happen. Everyone cheered. Everyone clowned the Dallas Cowboys, as you should. Thank you, Green Bay. Now it's time to lay on your sword and die. This is when the good teams lose to the great teams, and the great teams lose to the elite teams. San Francisco is the elite team in this case. San Francisco is going to win this Saturday. 34, 31, whatever you want to say, 220 in advance to the NFC Championship game next weekend to host either the Lions or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whew! I'm pumped. I can't not wait. I have been dying to see these Niners take that field. They're ready to snatch chains. They are ready to run through that Packers defense that thinks they have the whole thing Figured out. Mix in the chat again saying, Faithful, stand up. Yes, Faithful, stand up in the comments, on Twitter, on X, on Instagram, at Levi Stadium. Bring all the sound you can and make the Packers feel like they're in the worst away game of their life. Wow. Niners and Packers this Saturday, 5-15 at Levi Stadium, Pacific Standard Time. I cannot 
Wait, if by any chance you want to go to this game still, uh, you can use our promo code 49ersaccess, 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. You want to see San Francisco versus Green Bay, uh, you can have a little bit of discount on me. You can also follow us on social media, whether it's the injury reports, team updates, coaching updates, whatever it might be. If the Packers are still talking trash, we're going to be talking there on Twitter and on Instagram. The X or Twitter is 49ers underscore access. The Instagram is 49ers dot access. Over 24,000 followers on both those uh, platforms. Let's keep those numbers rising. If you can, if you would, please like, share, and subscribe to the audio platforms and on YouTube. It's the freest, it's the easiest, and the cheapest way to help the show. If you're a Niner fan and you're hyped as I am for Niners versus Packers in the playoffs, you are going to want to subscribe, like, and leave a review to the show. We are taking this boat all the way to Las Vegas and will settle for nothing less. And this Saturday is the first victim on our list. San Francisco is going to win and annihilate the Green Bay Packers. With all that being said, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. My name is Sterling Bennett saying, look, Saturday, Niners Packers, let's spread some cheese. Let's have a grilled cheese sandwich on me and let's go freaking nuts and crush the Green Bay Packers. Enjoy some playoff football. Heck, maybe even Demeco Ryans and the Texans knock off the Baltimore Ravens. How great would that be to watch the Ravens lose and the Niners win? Wouldn't that be something? Whew. I'm out of breath. It's been over an hour. We're having a great time here on the show again. Like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And until the victory Sunday this week, Niners are going to win and stay faithful.